0: As we get ready to worship the one and only King, amen. I'm just going to read Psalm 47. Come everyone, clap your hands. Shout to God with joyful praise, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is the great King of all the earth. He subdues the nations before us, putting our enemies beneath our feet. He chose the promised land as our inheritance, the proud possession of Jacob's descendants whom he loves. God has ascended with mighty shout. The Lord has ascended with trumpets blaring. Sing praise to our God. Sing praises, sing praises to the king. Sing praises, for God is the king over all of the earth. Praise him with a song. God reigns above the nation, sitting on his holy throne. The rulers of the world have gathered together with the people of God of Abraham. For all the kings of the earth belong to God. He is highly honored everywhere. So let's come to him, clapping and singing a shout of joyful praise because he is king. Amen. And he has chosen the promised land for his people. A praise and praise.
1: Trip
2: A little bit in some ruins. That, that maybe, as Jesus said, you've been laboring hard and you're weary in your soul. You're tough times, tough seasons. Maybe it's been a week. Maybe maybe it's been an entire season. And it just feels like there's no breakthrough. Doesn't feel like things are working out. Feels like you're just running in place Spitting in the wind it's just, it's just not happening What Jesus said is He said now if you feel that way Come to me Those who are laboring And you're weary And he will give you rest For your soul I think there's a lot of you Who need some rest in your soul this morning It's just It's out of sorts Out of rhythm. Give space this morning for that. So, how about this? How about this? I'm gonna ask for a response. Be honest. If that's you, raise your hand. Let me see. Anybody in the house? Okay. Secondly, I want you to come down here. Make your way down. You raised your hand just now. Come down right here. And we're gonna spend some time with you just for a few moments. And the best thing that those of you at your seats can do as a body of faith, family of faith, is simply begin to pray for the people that are down here right now. Amen? So, whatever time we take, you can worship, you can pray, but let's join together in faith for those that are down here this morning. So, so squeeze in here a little bit. In Jesus' name. But I believe that if we are active and consistently giving these things over to Him, that He responds. And it's never, never just these snap moments, easy button pushes, you know, and everything just goes away. But He gives you what you need. Now I just see you through. and the Israelites got to the Red Sea. He didn't make the sea disappear, but he made a way through the sea. When Daniel found himself in the lions' den, he didn't snap all the lions away, but he protected him in the midst of the lions. Your situation may not just leave, but then he provides what you need in the midst of it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found themselves in the fiery furnace. He didn't make the flames go away. But he was there with them. And he will see you through. Amen. So just for a moment, whatever those things are, give it to him. And there's so many different things right now. But, and you, I, I guarantee if there's been seasons, you've already turned this over. But how about again this morning, you just raise your hands up and say, Lord, I'm right here. I know you haven't forgotten about me. I know that you're not busy somewhere else. But you are attentive to my situation Because you love me personally You know me personally And Lord as we present these requests to you The Bible says that not only do you hear us But then you will give us peace that passes all understanding A peace that guards our our hearts and our minds in you And I pray that there's a peace in this place this morning that begins to give rest for our souls. Lord, a peace that overcomes the anxiousness and the worries and the stress. And, and where there seems to be no answer, that peace allows us to know that you're with us and you have us, and somehow, some way, you're going to make a way in the wilderness that there's going to be streams found in the deserts. We believe that, Lord. We're bold enough to come down here and be before you because we believe in you. And that faith will arise out of our weary souls. At the end of these days, Lord, we're going to be able to take a deep breath to know it's going to be okay. Lord, we're going to get good night's sleep because we're at rest in our hearts. That we're not going to have these things take over our minds and, and constantly just just cause stress and that anxiousness and, and worry. Our minds are given peace. I thank you for that. And all the while, knowing somehow, somewhere, you are working for the answers of these things. You're working for the good of these things, and you're going to see us through. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. There is nothing too big for you, God, nothing. There's nothing too great for you, nothing. There's nothing that you can't give us wisdom in what we're supposed to do, there's nothing. For God, we place ourselves in your hands. And in our lives, you are the wonderful counselor. You are the mighty God. You are the everlasting Father, and you are the Prince of Peace. And we receive those things today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I want you guys to squeeze in here. We're going to do a family prayer thing right now right okay so come on in come on in grab grab the person next to you put your arms on their shoulders you know we're we're in this together we're growing together we're helping one another amen all right so i'm gonna do this let's let's pray
0: we just thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid so that we could be white as snow. You are so good. You are glorious.
2: It's good to have you this morning. Good to have you this morning. If you have uh, your giving, you can prepare that. Type an offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. One of the ushers will help you out. And We appreciate your giving. And our giving is always an extension of our time of worship. It's a response to the goodness of God and his faithfulness to us. How many know God is faithful? Let me see. So as you give this morning, we're worshiping God in our giving because he is faithful. And all things belong to him. All things come from him. Whether or not you believe that, everything was established by him. Therefore, everything comes from him. So we give our tithe and our offering in response to that as God increases our life. We bless him with the first fruits of what comes into our house because he is good acknowledging that he is always our provider amen so let let me pray over your giving if you have some you can bring it down to these baskets up here lord i thank you for an opportunity to come to church today be uh, with a family of faith as we're we're in this together lord we're growing together we're helping one another we thank you for that opportunity to be a part of it but as we give today it's another expression an overflow of, of our hearts in response to you we thank you, Lord, for all of the things you do in our lives, including the provision in our lives. Lord, That you, you are consistently this day our daily bread and, and above and beyond that. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. So if you have something, you can bring it down. As you're doing that, let me do some announcements real quick. This coming Friday night, turn to your neighbor and say this Friday. All right, this Friday night is Love Your Marriage. So, if you are married, if you are married, or you wanna be married, or you're with somebody and you're careening down that road to get married, Friday night's for you. Uh, 6 to 9 p.m. right here, we provide dinner, we provide childcare, and it's a night of not only learning uh, what marriage is about, but strengthening our marriages as we grow together. Remember, The first priority of your life, if you are married, is your spouse. Above anything else, your spouse is your first priority. So we do nights like Love Your Marriage to not only reinforce that, but to give us some tools to grow together and make sure our marriage is strong. So this coming Friday, there's a sign-up sheet at the back. So two things about the sign-up sheet, real quick. Number one is this, is that uh, if you have not signed up and you plan on being there, please sign up. Number two is if you signed up but something came up you can't be, please cross your name off because I'm ordering food. I want to be a good steward with our money and uh, get the appropriate amount of food for the people that are here. So we'll have food up here for us, and the kids will have something different downstairs, and uh, we have babysitting for them, child care. So uh, that's just Friday. Be there for that. And uh, along with that, don't forget we're, we're into our semester of small groups. And having said that, tonight is Joy Fellowship. Bill and Patsy, wave your hand around. that's 5 o'clock right here. They meet down in, in the basement. Uh, you can bring some food to share. If not, show up anyways, and, and they have a good time together at 5 o'clock tonight for them. But if you want to be part of a small group and, and you don't know anything about it, back on the backboard, there's a, a list of uh, group leaders and when they meet. All you got to do is just show up when the time and the, and the day is that's back on that back paper and uh, get involved in a small group. They're important to who we are uh this coming wednesday is uh, our Wednesday night youth hangout during church, 5th through 12th grade gets together. And we always have kids church but uh, youth is in every service but this Wednesday during church is uh, youth hangout. Plus next Sunday night at 6 o'clock we have our Sunday evening youth hangout so don't forget about that. So Wednesday youth and also next Sunday at 6 o'clock uh, there's something for the 5th through 12th grade. And last but not least uh, we are inside 40 days to Easter and we have at the back uh, table, kind of a, a scripture reading guide for uh, the time leading up to Easter, so we're, we're focused on not only the death of Jesus but his resurrection. So if you haven't picked up one of these, go ahead and grab one after church today. and it's just a little bit of uh, passages of scripture, some chapters to read uh, as we head towards Easter. So pick that up. It's a great tool to help you in your Bible study. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, get them out. If you're new with us today and you're visiting with us, there are these uh, Connect cards in the back of your chair. Fill one of those out. uh, Give it to me or one of the ushers, and uh, we'd just love to connect with you. And if you want to know more about our church and just a little bit, some details, there's this blue uh, fold over also on the back of the chair. Just grab it, take it with you. You can read about our church. And also on there is our website on the back of you. You can go there and see some more things about us. But it's good to have everybody today. So turn to your neighbor and say, you look spectacular. Let them know. You look spectacular. (laughs) No lies in the house today. That's true. Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. We're on the third week of a series on priorities. We call it Back in Order. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 3 will say this. Commit your work to the Lord. In other words, the things that you do. And your plans will be established. The Lord, verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. So you can keep reading later about that, but just want to focus in. When you commit everything you do to him, he's going to establish your steps. Because God makes things with purpose. Everything he does, there's purpose behind it. So when it comes to your life, and, and again, salvation is not accepting Jesus into your heart so you can do it on your terms. Salvation is giving your life to him. Giving the entirety of who you are and giving it to him. In other words, you commit your work. You commit your life to him. And when you do that, then he's going to say, okay, now, because I'm the one who made all this and and you guys messed it up, now I'm back here uh, inaugurating new creation in you and through you, I'm going to show you what it means to live life That ultimately is abundant life and true life. Not perfect life, not life without issues, not life without bumps in the road. But I'm going to lead you down the road of true and abundant life. But if you really want to live on the road of true and abundant life, then you have to give your life to him and let him order your steps. Because his his ways are higher. His wisdom is beyond ours. He knows best. So, Jonathan, if you'll throw that screen up. We've been using this uh, each week to start this off But life is best when ordered God's way. And if you catch that, then it starts to make sense that I give everything I have to him and let him order my life so my steps are within his plan, his purpose, his will, leading me in abundant life. But you know what we do? We fight with him about this. And we we like to do things our way and the things that that we want to do. And all the while, he's saying, look, I have your best interest in mind. Life is best when you let me order it. That's what he's saying to you. So what he's going to do is he's going to say this, okay, now that you've come to me and given your life to me, here's some things that are not good for you and they don't need to be in your life. Sin. He's going to help you deal with it. He's going to forgive you of it, but then he's going to help you deal with it on the back end. But there's also going to be things in your life that really aren't beneficial. And he's going to start to say, hey, that's not beneficial for you or those around you. So how about we cut that out, too? And he starts to order your life. But then there's a whole bunch of things in your life that are good and should be there, but sometimes they get out of whack. So if you're married, your spouse, you have kids, your kids, if you have a job, your job, purpose in life, things you put your hand to, and these things can get out of order. You can throw rest in there. We're going to talk a little bit about rest today. Your hobbies. How many of y'all have a hobby, things you like to do? Okay, you have hobbies, you have interests. Uh, and then not only do you have kids, but your kids are doing a bazillion things. They're playing every sport on the planet, and the sports never stop, or they're involved in, in plays and dramas. And it, Life is busy. Life has a lot going on. And especially when you have technology at your fingertips where you can get wrapped up and just scrolling through your phone all the time. You can make your life busy with stuff like that, too. And what God is trying to do is trying to say, hey, look, abundant life is this way. I've made you new in your salvation, new creation. But it's a way of living this out that's beneficial to you and also those that are around you that you're connected to relationally. So we started last week with this. Your spouse, if you are married, is the number one priority of your life. And sometimes that gets out of whack, out of order. That's your first priority. Because your spouse, if you are married, is the only one where you are one flesh with. And called to be together with. Even your kids are not one flesh with you like that. You guys got together in one flesh and made flesh, but they're not one flesh with you that way. Then if you have kids, then your kids are your second priority. Above everything else, your job, your purpose, the things you put your hands to, uh, hobbies, your spouse is first, and your kids are second. Because if it gets out of whack, if, if your marriage is suffering, it will affect your kids. That's why you got to take care of your marriage first. And all the other things in life come after and they will flow in a proper way where it's not only beneficial to you, but those that you're in relation with. So I want to talk to you today about your work, your job, your purpose, the things that you put your hands to. And I want to talk to you about rest. Ecclesiastes chapter number two. Go find that in your Old Testament. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And we're going to be reading in verse number 17. So if you find the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs, right before the Song of Solomon, which is right before Isaiah. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 17 And this is the, uh, the wisdom of Solomon. And, he, and what Solomon is doing, by the way, in Ecclesiastes, he's working through in his mind the things that we do in life. And, and he's finding that a lot of it is meaningless. So let's, let's pick up what he's saying here. Verse 17, so I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For it is all vanity and a striving after wind. In other words, you can't catch it. He says, I hated all my toil or my work in which I toil under the sun. And this is why seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he'll be master over all for which I have toiled and used my wisdom under the sun, this is also vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair. Over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. So, what has a man from all the toil and striving of his heart in which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his works is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For the one who pleases him, God gives has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to have one, only to give it to one who pleases God. What Solomon is getting at here is. I am working hard, and what good is it really for me? Have you ever felt like at the job that you have, you're just simply replaceable anyways? You ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you're working hard and really it doesn't do much for you? Doing all these things in life, and you're not finding any meaning. So the point is this. The job that you have, though it provides, the job that you have that you're working hard at, the job that you have where there are things you can accomplish in life where you do find some meaning, ultimately doesn't bring the fulfillment that only God can bring to you. Because God is the one who brings the enjoyment of life to eating and drinking and working and the things that we do. So the thing is this. Your marriage, if you're married, is priority. Your kids are your second priority. And what falls right in behind that is what you do with your hands. Some of you have a job, a paid vocation. Some of you uh, have purpose in your life, things that you do, that you feel called to do. Some some of you, it's just, just what you do with your hands. and In other words, you put your life to. So for instance, for me, I've been called to pastor. That's what I do. And I've been fortunate enough all these years that it's also been my paid vocation, okay? But here's the thing. I can work hard at what I do, but at the end of the day, it may feel meaningless to me. You see, I work hard to provide for my family. I work hard to fulfill what God has called me to do, but yet sometimes it just feels meaningless. Why am I doing this? Are you kidding me? I feel like I'm wasting my time. Ever feel that way? Anybody? Okay. And you have to understand this, yes, you will find some fulfillment in meaning in the things you do. Ultimately, your only meaning will come in right relationship with God, in which case they'll show you the rest of the way of life and how those things fit and work in your life and then do bring the fulfillment that you're supposed to. But there's people out there that try to find all of their meaning in their job. Making money, purpose in life, achieving things, success. And if that is the case, you will find those things are meaningless. Because at the end of the day, listen, you will die, and you will take nothing with you. And it will be left to somebody else that didn't work for it. Right? And you hope it's left to somebody that will use it in wisdom and and, and understanding. But that's not guaranteed. So jobs have their place, and and purpose has its place, and what you put your hands to has its place, but it's never to take the meaning of your life above relationship and finding fulfillment with him first. And what happens is sometimes when we chase success, or we chase making money, or we chase that being our meaning, it gets out of whack in life, and, and our marriages or even our kids are neglected get it out of order. Now, I understand there's seasons of life where you must work hard. Nothing wrong with that. Like, like when we first moved to Ohio, um, I had a little bit of my school debt left that I wanted to take care of. So I worked my job at the church. And then every Friday, I put myself out there for guys that I knew that had their own business, like construction businesses, concrete businesses. Some guys had rental businesses where they're constantly working on their rentals. And every Friday, I went and worked for somebody to earn some extra side money to put on my school loan. Almost every Friday. That left me with Saturday, but then I had church Sunday. I was putting a lot of hours, because if you know anything about pastoring and working at church, it doesn't stop at 4 o'clock. It's generally a lot of times in the evening, a lot of stuff going on. I was was working hard. There's another period of our life where I was working three jobs at the same time. Nothing wrong with working hard unless my work is causing me to neglect my wife. Nothing wrong with working hard unless my work is causing me to neglect my children. Then it gets out of order. Because sometimes when we're working hard, we end up chasing things that are not beneficial to us. First Timothy chapter 6, if you'll turn there. First Timothy chapter 6. And we'll go to verse, let's see, number 6. 1 Timothy 6.6 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can't take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction." That's heavy wording right there. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced himself with many pangs. But as for you, O oh man of God, flee these things. And Paul makes a list of things right there to get after. So in other words... Job is good, working hard is good, purpose is good. The things you put your hand to are good as long as they stay within the proper perspective of being content in life. And when you start to chase things outside of contentment, often your job and your purpose and the things you put your hands to, it gets out of place in your life. And you begin to neglect the things that are most important, your spouse and your kids, healthy relationships with the people around you. So job is good, work is good, but yet it needs to be in the proper place. If if God does not bring your meaning, then what you do with your life and with your hands will get out of priority. If you do not learn contentment, then what you do with your life, your job, with your hands, your purpose can get out of priority. Though we are to work hard, If you do not see God as your provider, then you will think you have to earn it all yourself. And job and purpose and the things you do with your hands can get out of priority. So Jonathan, if you'll throw the second slide up. It says, work hard and do it as unto the Lord. This is honorable. This is honorable. So one of the reasons that we may work hard. I'm going to work hard because I really want my family to have. And I actually want them to have more than I had. Right? Nothing wrong with that. Zero wrong with that mindset. But if I think that I can replace my relationship with my spouse or relationship with my kids with things, then it's out of whack. They're most happy and most beneficial when you're in a relationship with them, not with things that you give them. Though I, want, I want to give my spouse things. I want to give my kids things. I want them to have. When, I, when I'm dead and gone, I want there's something left for them. But that's not the biggest purpose of life. The biggest pers- purpose of life is the relationship. Right? But yet we're to work hard. We do it unto the Lord because if we do it this way, then it is honorable. So a couple passages about that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Right before 1 Timothy where you just were. And let's go to verse 6. Now we commend you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition you have received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked day and night, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we did not have that right, but because uh, to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat we hear that some among you walk in idleness not busy at work but busybodies. so paul is laying something down here there's a problem with the group of people gathering that he wrote this letter to some of them were capable of working but were not Okay, and again, your family dynamic, husband and wife, and how you work this out. My my wife has a full-time job now, but she didn't always have a full-time job, but we were always in agreement with her when she was working and when not. Obviously, I've always been working. How you work it out in your household is how you work it out. But at the end of the day, it's saying in provision for your home, if you are able to work, then work hard. You're capable of it. Now, understand, we have people in society that they just cannot, and we provide for them. We help them. Amen. But if you are able, what can you do with your hands? If this, is, this is a job that you get paid for. This is purpose in your life. This is, this is things you're called to. It's going to be a, a whole range of things. But if you're able, then work. So work hard, but it's coupled with this then, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter three and verse twenty-two. So it goes: Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So if you can find that run of letters from Paul, Colossians is, is at the end of it. Colossians chapter three and verse twenty-two. Now, now watch the context of this. Colossians three twenty-two it says, bondservants servants or slaves, obey everything." Those who are your earthly masters. Now, let me just say something here. Paul is not advocating that slavery is okay. He's talking to people that are in that situation. And we know the perspective of Paul is to to gather the body of believers and take us to this place where in him there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. So he's taking us somewhere. But he's still got a right to people that are in certain situations. So those that have found themselves as bond servants, he says, look. Obey everything that you're being told to do. Now watch this. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Watch what he says here. Whatever you do, work heartily and ask for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, for whom the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality he actually says, hey, masters, by the way, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven in which they will be judged, is what he's saying there. Here's the thing. So we work hard, and whatever it is you do in life, do it as unto the Lord. So you have a job, I don't, I don't know, at, uh, over in Jackson, so there's Plastipack. You ever hear plastic Pack Factory there. If I worked at Pack, I may not like my pay. I may not like a manager who treats me a certain way. But I'm not working for them anyhow at the end of the day. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. It'll change your attitude about what you do. Everything I do in life, I do it the best that I can. and I work hard. And I do it as I'm doing unto him, as a light to this world. You see? And if you think that way about what you do, it goes back to Ecclesiastes. Meaningless, meaningless. All this toil under sun is meaningless. No, 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 no. Now, Now there's a course correction here. No, 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 because you're doing it as unto the Lord. Now there's meaning. Because ultimately, if you're doing it unto him, he's the one that supplies your meaning. Not the result of your work, per se. And when you do it as unto the Lord, then you, He's able to order your steps in what you do. And He'll show you the priority of these things in your life. And, and if you start to chase riches and not being consent, He'll tap you on the shoulder in conviction. Hey, 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 hey. Wait a second. You're neglecting your family to chase money, it's not good. Let's get back in order, right? And he's involved in your situation. And then when you're frustrated about your job and you're frustrated about what you do and you don't like it and you feel like you're stuck and it's not necessarily an easy way to get a new job or a better job or a better paying job or whatever, it puts your attitude right. Because I'm doing it to you anyways. I'm doing it unto the Lord and not the people around me. And when you do it unto the Lord, then your attitude towards other people will be right, and your actions towards other people will be right, because he's guiding you in these things. So so when somebody comes and they complain about their job to me, I'm just like, who are you doing it for? I understand your frustration. Nothing wrong with that. You're you're able to change and do what you want to do. But at the start, who are you doing this for? If you're doing it as unto the Lord, it will help you in those moments, Right? So before I came to the church in Bakken's Only Believe, I was with another church that was really struggling, and I was getting the blowback of a lot of it. And I was just like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm over it. I'm not listening to this anymore. And the Lord grabbed my heart and he said, will you stop? And at the time, by the way, I was like 24 years old, so me and my immaturity. But um, grabbed my heart, said, Stop. Who are you doing this for? I'm doing it for you. Then stop. You're not doing it for them anyways. Stop. He started to teach me something about the labor of my life. That no matter what was done to me, I respond Christ-like because I'm doing it as unto him anyways. And no matter what is done to me, if I respond Christ-like, then he honors that. He honors it. And you are constantly committing, then, because if I'm doing it unto you, you are my provider. So if that door shuts, he's gonna open another one. Because I've been honorable. You see what I'm getting at. So we do things unto the Lord. Because ultimately, he is our provider, and he is the one that sets our course anyways. So, I would say this, by the way. Be thankful for what you have, even if you don't like it. Be thankful. It's unto the Lord. Don't cut corners when nobody's watching. Why? It's unto the Lord. Don't take advantage of your work situation. Why? It's unto the Lord. You do things right. Conscious integrity of your heart. Why? Because you're a Christian, and not everybody else lives that way. Amen? Now, having said that, let me talk to you about rest for a minute. So spouse, kids, healthy relationships, even extended family, whatever, work, purpose, what you put your hands to. Now let's talk about rest. We have a problem with rest in our society. People are too busy. Now notice, God created the earth in six days. And what did he do on the seventh day? He rested. Why? To set us an example. Set us an example. What's amazing is there's, within the law of Moses, there came what they call the Sabbath. Sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And they said, Shabbat, don't do anything. Rest. Rest. And he set in the law a rhythm of rest. By the way, and it wasn't just about that. Then there was this big picture of rest. Every seven years, it's a series of seven. Seventh day rest. Seventh year, give the land to rest. No planting, no sowing. Give everything rest the seventh year. Then they went seven times, seven. And then the 50th year after 49 years with the year of Jubilee. A big time of rest, people that fell into slavery during that time were set free. Land that was sold was returned to original owners. Land, again, was resting, no sowing or or reaping that year. All these things happened in a series of seven, so he was teaching us big picture rest. Now, let me say this before I come back to you, your physical rest. Our fulfillment of rest is in him. Now, again, work hard. Do it as unto him, but your fulfillment's in him, right? You must physically rest, but ultimately our rest is found in him. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. What's interesting about that, that's Matthew chapter 11. We don't need to turn there. Matthew 11. And right after that, into chapter 12, we find two stories of... uh, Jesus and the disciples doing something that made the Pharisees and teachers of the law mad on the Sabbath day. They're connected together. And in the midst of that, chapter 12, verse 8, Jesus said, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he's saying, You find your rest in me. That's what he's saying. So what we were doing during worship was, listen, you're restless, you're, you're struggling, you're stressed. Find your rest in him. Okay? Find your rest in him. But bigger picture than that is this. You must learn to rest physically, too. Because it will help you rest mentally, too. Jonathan, throw that last slide up. Rest is good for you physically and mentally. It is also a good teacher. There's wisdom in this, and we'll talk about that in a second. So do you know how um, I talked to you about the need for a healthy rhythm in your life of praying and reading your Bible and worship, church attendance, right? You need a healthy rhythm. You also need a healthy rhythm of rest in your life. Though we we don't need to live up to the the law of of Sabbath. We find the law of Moses, sundown Friday, the sundown Saturday. You don't need to keep that in the minutes of the day and things like that. But yet, but yet... You must learn to rest. You must learn how to take a break physically, because it helps you mentally. See, somebody would say, and I would not argue with this, actually the concept of rest is the biggest priority of everything, because if you're not resting physically nor getting rest mentally, it's going to be hard to be a good spouse. It's going to be hard to be a good parent going to be hard to be a good worker, a business owner, or whatever it is you do. It's going to be hard to, to keep up with the things that you put your hands to. You've got to learn to rest. In other words, we as a society have a hard time finding a break from our busyness. And you must learn to do it. So, so kind of like this. If you are married, especially if you've got little ones or kids in the house yet, You're going to prioritize your spouse. What you need to do is carve time out where you two can just do something together. Go out on a date night. Spend some time together. Send the kids to bed and watch the Netflix, whatever, together. You know what I'm saying? Spend time. But in there, there's a restful action in that together. Listen, I tell you guys this all the time. I am a list maker. I always have a list of things to do. I have to learn some days, because I keep my list in my phone mostly, I have to take this and know there's a list and it's making me restless. I have to do this. Because you know what? That list is going to be there tomorrow too. And I know as soon as I'm done with that list, there's going to be another list. I've got to learn to rest, take time out, and relax. Because it will also help you mentally. Right? See, here's what happens. Here, here's why rest is a teacher. When you rest, it helps teach you contentment, and it pushes back against greed. I'm going to take a rest day from working to earn money today because I'm content. I don't need the greed in my life. I'm able to take a rest day. Rest guards against workaholism and addiction to work, and that's a problem sometimes. Sometimes. Rest reminds us that God is my provider, and I don't have to do it all. That I can actually rest today, and God's going to see me through. And it also will teach me that my relationship with him is bigger picture than my work anyways. Rest will teach me that I remember that I have a spouse and have kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It reminds me, oh, yeah, you guys are here. Well, let's, let's rest today. Let's hang out. Right? Rest reminds us, though, that our work is incomplete, which is why we'll return to it. Our biggest need is only met in Jesus. Got to learn to rest. Take time out. A rhythm of life. Consistent. Now, behind these things then come your hobbies, So you guys know me. You guys know me. My hobbies are hiking and hunting and fishing. That's what I do in my spare time. All right? Never, ever, 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 do those things take place of my spouse or my kids or my work or my rest, although sometimes those things can coincide rest and, and hobby. Play video games. Never in the replace of your spouse to neglect of your kids, your job, whatever your hobbies are. Those things are nice and God gives you interest and he gave you them for a reason, right? But they are never the priority of your life, ever, ever, ever. They flow in a natural way of, of certain kinds of fulfillment, but never to the neglect of other things. So, spouse... Kids, job, what you do with your hands, rest, and other things. There's an order, back in order. Life is best when ordered God's way. Because when I see life that way, my relationship with my wife, though not perfect, though we'll go through some things, will be healthy. Then my relationship with my kids, though not perfect, though we've gone through some bumps and roads, it will be healthy. I will be married 30 years this summer on June 11th. I remember. Thank you. <laughs> Paddle my back. Not perfect, but, man, we're going to stay together. Because a good marriage doesn't happen by accident. We work on it. Priority. All three of my kids still talk to me. Don't mind being around me. They knew I wasn't perfect. Yet we have a good relationship. Because my kids were always a priority above everything else besides my spouse. I've worked hard, I've earned money, but but yet finding rest in the middle of it. Knowing that He is my all and everything. And then because I have a healthy relationship, she lets me hike. And she lets me hunt. And by the way, I do those things more now than I did when my kids were little. You have to understand seasons of life. I didn't do it a lot when my kids were little, but as they're older, fending for themselves, moving out of the house, I have more time. And she she said it's okay, go. But I will never take advantage of that of her. Nor will I ever do the stupid thing, well, I'm man in the house, do what I want, anyways. That's dumb. Don't ever do that. That's not what it means. We can talk about that another day. Life is best when ordered God's way. Amen. So let's put some things back in order. Let's ask for wisdom. How, how do I find rest in the middle of all, all of the business of my life? Ask God for wisdom. You don't have to do everything that's out there. Your kids don't have to do everything that's out there. You can lay some things down. It's okay. It's okay. You'll find contentment. Right? Ask him for wisdom, and he'll show you what to do. And listen and obey. And, and then get in that rhythm. A healthy rhythm of life led by him. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's let's stand up. Let's pray. Let me ask you a question real quick before we close. We said salvation is giving your life over to God entirely. It comes with the forgiveness of your sins and it comes with him starting to teach you what true life and abundant life is all about. He'll forgive you of everything and give you a brand new start and help you live what that new start's about. That's giving your life to him. And if you're here today and you've never done that, you've never given your life to him. And you're you're here and say, there's some wisdom there, not just in my salvation, but Man, he's going to help me live life.